Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a Harvard Business Review tip. This one's uh, three tips for staying focused at work. We're also having our usual innovation chat with Christina, and today we're going to be looking at ethics and artificial intelligence. We've talked a bit about artificial intelligence over the weeks, and we can look at the ethical side of it. And I don't have a guest at the moment, so I thought I'd give a little presentation today on something that I'm finding out there when I'm talking with business people, and that is The Quiet Achiever, Tips for Introverted Entrepreneurs. You know, there's many of us out there who are tend towards to being the introverted type of people and some of these uh, networking functions uh, and the ways that uh, we have to talk about our business and promote ourselves is a little bit uh, uncomfortable and, and foreign to us. So I've been doing a little bit of research in this subject and uh, come up with some ideas that might help those of uh, us that are a little bit introverted. In fact, the interesting statistics are that... Uh, there are a lot more introverted entrepreneurs out there than there are extroverted entrepreneurs, which is which is a good tip for us. Um, and, and the real tip is to harness our natural strengths. So we look at uh, some of the strengths of an introverted person, and, and they have a natural affinity for writing. So uh, how can we use that writing to promote ourselves? We have excellent research skills. And we love to delve into Google and, and come up with, with interesting facts and figures from there. Uh, great problem-solving skills. Excellent listening skills. We're very, very, very good listeners there. Creative, well-organized, and have uh, we build deep and genuine relationships more on a one-to-one -one level. So, so with our focus then on those natural strengths, we could look at some marketing tips then that uh, we might be able to promote our business because we do have to get out there and, and promote our business and sell ourselves. Uh, and here is uh, some marketing strategies for the quiet achiever. The first one is to embrace your introverted nature. So we've talked about those uh, strengths that a, uh, an introvert has and how can we use them to build our business as entrepreneurs. So the next point is to create partnerships. We excel at building deep and meaningful relationships, more on a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And of course, with customers, it's very, very important that we build those genuine relationships. So uh, we, we can use those skills, asking questions and listening to our customers. So we've talked about one of the strengths being listening skills. If we ask the right questions and sit back and listen, um, they're really the skills that make a very successful salesperson. If we do, probably about 20% of the talking and about 80% of the listening and observing, we will find out what the customers really want and we can focus on how we can help them. Seek out one-on-one -on -one interactions is the next one. So we, yes, have to go to some of these networking functions. But uh, we don't have to feel that we've got to be part of those big groups. Maybe uh, look around the room and see someone standing on their own and go and have a chat with them because there's a good chance that that person is feeling very uncomfortable as well. And uh, we're going to have a chat with that one person and then sit down and uh, maybe build a, a, long, a stronger relationship with it. 
The next, the next point is practicing being vulnerable. Um, as I say, we do have to come out of those comfort zones and do some of those things, but uh, you know, sometimes we might feel a little bit uncomfortable. The next one is to blog regularly. So we we looked at uh, one of the strengths is the uh, natural affinity for writing and researching. So blogging uh, and the internet is a very powerful tool these days for for small businesses, but particularly for those who are a little bit introverted. We can blog to show that we are an expert. We can share a lot of the research we've done. And uh, that regular blogging will bring people to our websites and um, hopefully become customers. We do need to go to structured networking meetings, but uh, as I said, we can feel a little bit vulnerable there and that's okay. But when we go to those networking functions, maybe volunteer to help out the function. So maybe uh, be the person on the front desk. We're going to uh, meet everybody that comes in and uh, we're going to learn a little bit about them. Uh, we don't have to be one, worry about you know, what are we going to ask that people at the networking function because they're going to talk to us sitting at the front desk. So volunteering and, and uh, networking functions are always looking for help. So it's a great way of doing that. Um, and... Always turn the conversation around to focus on the other person when you're networking. So, again, uh, uh, we, we have that ability to build deep and genuine relationships. Um, the other one is to take time to recharge. One of the issues that a lot of uh, introverted people have is they, they, their energy gets sapped in uh, these large uh, meetings and we do need time to recharge. So don't feel uncomfortable. We've got to go out of the room for a while and maybe sit in the car or sit in a quiet place and just meditate a little bit and, and recharge that energy. Um, when we go to networking functions, set goals on uh, connecting with people. So maybe you want to walk away from that networking function having met good two or three people in a more genuine sense. Um Join relevant groups for the groups that uh, your target market is in. Um, don't just go to networking functions for the uh, for the sake of being out there with people. Make sure that the uh, groups are relevant for our business. Write thank you notes after each encounter. Again, there's our writing ability. We can do that in a little bit of quiet and just say thank you for your time today. And... Uh, Take time to work in silence at planned times during the day. So we, we need a little bit of quiet time, set that time, um, re, re, take frequent break, break, breaks to uh, recharge ourselves. And the other one is to reflect on our past successes. There's times when we will be successful, just keep reflecting on that. Practice our elevator speech so we don't have to worry about those things. The important and probably the best bit of advice I ever received when I first went into business, break a comfort zone every day. So yes, we do have to come out of our comfort zones, but what a what a powerful thing it is. When we break a comfort zone, we've enlarged our actual comfort area. Um, if we enjoyed it, we can keep doing it. If we didn't like it, well, we've tried it. Let's uh, we'll try something else. So uh, those comfort zones, just be comfortable with being uncomfortable from time to time. So there's a few little thoughts there of uh, 
helping uh, people who are a little bit introverted to promote their business and, and uh, make their business happen. And, you know, the good news is there are probably more introverted entrepreneurs out there. I like to call them quiet achievers. Time to pop over to Christina for our Minute on Innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. So we've been talking about artificial intelligence uh, over the last few weeks, quite a bit actually, and uh, yep. we're going to talk about the ethics to, uh, associated with that. Yeah, so there's a few um, people, a few organisations now coming up going, well, ethically we really need to be able to control where this is going. So one of the questions that people are asking is, how human-like do we want AI to be? So is it that we um, make a commitment to keeping them very robotic so that we can tell the difference between the human and the android? Or is it, as we've um, talked about before, with uh, um, machines like Sophia, say, who are learning how to use facial expressions, who have eyes um, that, instead of being, you know, vacant black holes, they're, they're painting eyes, they're creating eyes into robots like Sophia, having physical expressions, being able to have conversations that are unprompted. So how, where do we actually draw the line between... Um, the ethics around recognising an android and recognising it as an artificial intelligence instead of Mm. a human being. So there's a whole lot of questions around that that are being posed by people like Elon Musk and Bill Gates and Stephen Hawking. So not not people that are um, caught up in the whole, um, you know, we don't want to progress, we don't want to move anywhere, because these people are very forward-thinking, you know, they're always looking to break the mould to create new milestones. But even these people are now questioning and suggesting that we have ethical control, that we have ethical conversations and debates around where artificial intelligence could go. Okay, so what, are they, are they uh, giving us their views or are they just saying we, we need to have the conversation? Uh, well, they're very much worried. There's, there's some research going around that suggests that artificial intelligence by the turn of the century will have a brain capacity that is a trillion times that of a human being. Mm. We're actually teaching human intel- uh, artificial intelligence now to learn so we're programming them to continually learn as opposed to just programming them with, with certain bits of information, certain data. We're actually teaching them or programming them to gather information, gather data. So if you ha- even if you have a look at what's happening around smart cities and the data that can be collected um, from, you know, people just using their mobile phones, there's a, a, there's a theory, I actually think it's true, I'm not sure it's a theory, that says that if there's at any one time... Um, a, a potential public mishap that they can pull together every photo that's been taken within that area and turn it into basically a mini movie of mm. what's happened at that area. So if we think about um, where we're taking technology in that way, where we lead artificial intelligence with what it can collect, the data it can collect about you, how it can react to you, you know, learning your name. Do we want, do we want a, an artificial intelligence to be able to remember our name in 20 years' time? when it's highly unlikely that a human that you meet today, if you met them in 20 years' time, you would remember their name. So there's all these questions that are being posed, being asked. Elon Musk, Bill Gates, the likes of of people um, of that calibre, are suggesting that we might even need government um, regulation around how far we let the the artificial intelligence develop, particularly maybe since we're talking about blue-collar, white-collar takeover of jobs. Mm. You know, until we can catch up with potentially the decoupling um, of work to income or potentially how we're going to end up using um, blockchain, 
you know, do we do we put a halt until everything else catches up with the development of where artificial intelligence is going? And we're certainly seeing the effect of uh, jobs uh, for people coming into countries and taking jobs uh, in right around the Western world at the moment. So it's obviously going to be an area that will be debated quite considerably as far as artificial intelligence. That's right. And also, just you know, I mean, how far do we want the divide between those that have and those that haven't yeah. to become um, before we actually create a very dangerous situation mm. globally um, and we decide that we're not going to look after people as a whole? Uh, and, you know, where does artificial intelligence fit into that? So there's some fantastic things being done with artificial intelligence. Of course, but yeah. As far as teaching and, you know, hospitals. So they're looking at um, using some artificial intelligence to be able to locate lost children in shopping centres or deliver medications to the elderly who may not be able to, to you know, medicate themselves. Mm. So, uh, you know, it's like, you know, we've said it so many times before. The person that invented the car invented the car crash. With every good, there's a, you know, there could That's be so a, um, a, a horror component, yeah. Well, we'd be interested to see how the debate goes. And, uh, it will be. Thank you for that, and we'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with, yes, uh, how far do we go with artificial intelligence is obviously always the good side of the bad side, isn't there? We've got time for a Harvard Business Review tip. This one, as I said earlier, three tips for staying focused at work. If you don't know this by now, our constant access to data is killing our productivity. Too many of us begin the day by picking up our phones and getting lost in a stream of notifications and information. So here are three things that you can do to carve out more time for yourself and remain focused and effective at work. First of all, start your day right. When you wake up, don't roll over and start checking your email on your phone or your Facebook. Try a simple mindfulness practice. Take a few deep breaths. Make a mental list of the things you are grateful for or meditate for 20 or 30 minutes. Secondly, organise your day. Take advantage of your body's natural rhythms. Focus on complex creative tasks in the morning and then push meetings to the afternoon. And finally, tidy up. A clean work environment leads to less cluttered minds. Put everything in a drawer. Create folders on your computer desktop to get rid of all those random files. On your phone, keep only the eight to 12 most important apps on your home screen and turn off all your unnecessary notifications. That's taken from a little book, The Two Things Killing Your Ability to Focus. We've got quick time for just one more here. When you start freelancing, let people know. A robust network is a freelancer's best friend. If you're becoming your own boss, you want to start off by securing a group of people who are ready to support you and give you work along the way. Reach out to the people closest to you to let them know what you're doing, including co-workers, former colleagues, friends and family. Don't worry, it doesn't have to feel like you're begging for work. Take people out to a coffee or lunch and explain what you're doing. Think of it as an informational interview, clarifying the kind of work you do and letting people know you're available. Remember that network building isn't just for the beginning of your franchising or freelancing career. As you get busier, don't forget to set aside time in your schedule to continue networking. And of course that might help us, uh, as we were talking earlier, with being the quiet achiever. 
Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed that. We've talked about the quiet achiever and ethics and artificial intelligence. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll enter the tax world with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants. We'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and, of course, more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your t- company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous weekend. As Zig Ziglar once said, you can have everything in life you want if you just help other people get what they want. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>